Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into the Hoopsville Marathon, the annual event. Somewhat, obviously, didn't really get that going last year, but whatever. Minor detail, but the annual event that we uh, celebrate everything D3 Hoops. If you got questions for us throughout what is going to be a fun nine hours, make sure to tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. We're on Facebook, simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also... Um, on Twitter, uh, well, we mentioned that, Instagram, at D3Hoopsville, though we don't tend to follow that too much during the show, but you're welcome to try and use it. Uh, and we're also um, on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. We're simulcasting the show there as well. So lots of ways you can get a hold of us. We hope you take advantage of them. It is going to be an absolute blast of a show. Um, we are scheduled for about eight, nine hours. We've done 12 hours in the past. We've done eight hours in the past. We've done nine hours in the past. Um, lots of choices. It really depends on how we're feeling, how many guests we can book, how much time we have going into the event, all of that jazz. And, well, this is what you get today. Uh, I am your host, Dave McHugh. I want to thank all those who help us put this show on the air, including D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches, also the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and, of course, Blue Frame Technology for their streaming support. Uh, always a big help. We're also able to simulcast as a result of that. So um, that's how you get a hold of us. That's how we uh, get things rolling. That's how everything looks here. We got a full list of guests, including some special guests that we really appreciate taking the time to join us. Um, well, let's just kind of give you a rundown of how we see the show going today. N knock on wood. Uh, it is a Thursday, so we will specifically talk to regions 3, 5, 7, and then 9, 10 combined in a way. We'll get other regions covered as well just because of it, um, but we, we definitely focused on that. We'll focus on the women's basketball top 25. We'll get the double take with Scott Peterson and Gordon Mann later in the show. Um, that's just part of our, our usual duty. Uh, we'll also have the happy hour at the end of the show where we just kind of open it up to a bunch of friends, see if they want to join us. And uh, we'll let you know who ends up doing that. We may find out as we're on air with you. Um, let's see here. So let's talk guests. Whew. So we start, uh, we're going to start here in about 15 minutes talking to Connor Delaney. He's a senior at Johns Hopkins. Also, interestingly enough, played lacrosse last year for the D1 uh, Hopkins program. We'll talk to him about the balance of that, how he got recruited, because I do think it's an interesting story, and I don't even know all of it. Uh, we'll also talk about the Blue Jays, how they're doing this season, um, and uh, his take on it. Remember, Connor was the one who hit the uh, the game-winning shot in the conference championships back in 2020 to give Swarthmore its first loss of the season. So we'll talk to him about all of that and his career coming back to Hopkins for his final year of basketball. Gina uh, DeRubbo will join us from Washington and Jefferson. Hats off to them. Last-minute booking because, well, that's just how it rolls. We'll talk to her about uh, her program, who just got another big win last night. I think they're 15th of the season and uh, on top of the PAC. We'll talk to her about that. Frank Marcinic of Susquehanna will join us, talk about the Landmark Conference and his region, an interesting Landmark Conference race on the men's side. Then we'll head out west, talk to Dan Krikorian. He is the assistant coach at Chapman, but he's also co-host of a podcast called Slappin' Glass. It's a little bit of X's and O's with basketball coaches. We'll talk to him about the uh, brainchild of that, plus how it got big quick, thanks to a D3 alum. 
We're going to switch gears then and have a minority coaches panel. I invited Larry Anderson of MIT, Cam Gissendowner of LaRoche, Jason Harris of UMass Boston, and Gary Stewart of Stevenson to come on and talk about um, just the the challenges of minorities in D3, especially coaching. Uh, Ryan Scott did a tremendously good article a couple weeks back about this topic, and we were planning to spin off on it. So we'll get their takes on it, the increase in coaches being hired who are minorities, but also the concerns with that and much more. Gary will then stay with us, give us an update on things that he's been working on, especially in that topic, but also with the NABC. Uh, then we'll talk to both national committee chairs. Michael Shower and Meg Wilson will join us. Mike Shower, of course, the head coach at Wheaton and national committee chair on the men's side. Meg Wilson is the Luther Associate AD and national committee chair on the women's side. Some interesting differences with them this year after we thought things were going to kind of be similar. Uh, we'll switch gears. Dan Kenny will join us from John Jay. He's not only a sophomore basketball player, but he's a firefighter, volunteer now, career firefighter in the future, he hopes. We'll talk about battling fires and playing basketball games and how he kind of balances that entire life while also giving back to the community. And we'll head to Texas. Cameron Hill, the head coach of the Trinity Texas Tigers, will join us to talk about his women's squad who's back into the top 25 and a full uh, allotment of good teams down in Texas. Uh, Stephen Gable will join us from Nazareth to talk about the men's basketball program there. They're having a tremendously good season out of Region 3 and a lot of questions about just how good they are. So the senior will join us to talk about his squad. Louise McCleary, the interim head, uh, interim vice president for Division Three, will join us, talk about the state of Division Three, talk about post-convention stuff, talk about the Constitution moving forward, what that means for Division Three, budgetary issues. That sounds like small potatoes or maybe a little bit too uh, in-depth, but trust me, this has an impact on basketball, an impact on these teams, impact on these student-athletes. So we'll talk to Luis McCleary, who is a former basketball player in Division Three, about all of that. Then Jim Haney will join us to talk officiating, at least on the men's side. We'll talk about the challenges he's had to face in the last few years in getting what he wants accomplished, and that is a little bit more universally called games across all regions. Uh, then we'll talk to Fred Rogan, uh, if you don't know Fred Rogan, um, well, I don't know how to explain it, but he is a sports anchor for NBC4 out in Los Angeles. He's also got a, a radio show Monday through Friday on AM570 LA. He's also Hogan's Heroes, if you've heard about that. Uh, he's on the Olympic coverage for NBC. Fred Rogan is a friend of the show, believe it or not, and we will talk to him about, well, his take on D3. Uh, it's a great take. He's got a great insight on the Skyac as well. I had, we pre-recorded it because he is a busy man. He found some time for us. It was a great chat with Fred. Uh, please stay tuned for that. Then we'll do the double take with Gordon Mann and Scott Peterson. And then Dave Hickson joins us, former Amherst head coach, now um, nominee for the Hall of Fame. We'll talk to Dave Hickson on retirement. We'll talk to him about watching basketball games up, especially in New England. We know he's doing that. And we'll talk to him about uh, the, the nomination and the Olympics. Because one of my favorite things is starting now is the Olympics. So doing this marathon before the Olympics, it's me getting it out of the way. <laughs> then we'll have the happy hour. We'll see where that takes us later in the program. So there you go. Can you believe it? Lots to talk about. Let's talk about also results so far. We've had some great games 
out there so far. Let's start on the men's side of things. So far, number one, Randolph Macon, who is the unanimous number one. A little side note on that. Uh, Hope had been the unanimous number one from week one through this past week. They weren't unanimous in the preseason, but they were number one, uh, unanimous in week one. They lost the number one ranking, and obviously there's no uh, unanimous pick on the women's side, but Randolph-Macon picks it up this week. So it's just an interesting twist that we have a unanimous pick at number one in one of the polls every single week this year, except for the preseason. Anyway, they defeated Randolph 77-43. got a big weekend ahead. They've got uh, Guilford tonight. We'll keep an eye on that one. And then Roanoke coming up on Saturday. Again, back to our conversation on Monday with Ryan Scott and um, Mike Raniak. Guilford, a good team. We want to see how they're doing. Uh, Platteville had another game with Oshkosh, and so far the only team Platteville can't beat is Oshkosh. Titans have swept them now with a 65-51 win on the number five ranked Oshkosh Titans. Certainly it makes things complicated. Platteville's got Stevens Point, who's at the bottom of the WIAC, coming up. Marietta got a win, so did Christopher Newport. As we mentioned, Oshkosh got a win. Actually, that's the only loss in the top 25 is that Platteville loss. Everybody else has gotten wins. There have been a number of games that got postponed that were supposed to play last night that will be played today. Possibly. I've already gotten texts from coaches who are headed into the storm to try and play this evening. Um, it is not looking good in the sense, well, the between the Mississippi River and the Appalachian Mountains is not looking great, even a little east of the Appalachians, to be honest. That weather moving into our area tomorrow morning, our area being the Baltimore area. But we'll keep an eye on how many games get shifted. I already saw DePaul, who had shifted it once, has shifted it a second time. The good news for the East Coast was a nor'easter that may have been forming to come up the coast on Sunday into Monday is apparently not happening. So at least we'll get rid of this storm and then we can move on. But delays aplenty. Uh, and that results in not a lot of games having been played as of yet. Um Receiving votes category, though, Hanover did lose to Anderson by 20, which was pretty surprising. Uh, Our RPI lost to Union by two. Uh, So if you're trying to split out RPI, Nazareth, and Oswego, that uh, that game kind of starts to to give an answer there. On the women's side, um, not a lot of games have been played and no losses in the top 25 so far. Whitewater defeated Lacrosse. John Carroll absolutely hammered Heidelberg. Um, Baldwin Wallace beat Mount Union, Wisconsin Lutheran over Lakeland, Messiah over Lebval, Catholic over Juniata, Wartburg over Luther, Eau Claire over River Falls. Uh, Scranton needed overtime to get past Moravian. That's a little surprising. I like Moravian. Um, Mary Beth Spurk is certainly a good coach, but they're not on par with Scranton, in my opinion, this season. And for that to go overtime is a little surprising for Scranton. I like Scranton. E-Town might be the class of the conference. Honestly, uh, Scranton's a good team, but I think E-Town might be better, though Scranton did beat E-Town last time they faced each other. But that loss there hurts in the conference race. Uh, Let's see here. St. John Fisher beat Houghton. By the way, Scranton didn't lose. I misspoke. They beat Moravian in overtime, but that that game speaks volumes is what I'm trying to get at. I apologize. I misspoke. St. John Fisher beat Houghton. Uh, Springfield beat Clark. Receiving votes category, Marietta has hammered Muskegon. Uh, Bowden easily handled Maine Presque Gettysburg easily handled Franklin and Marshall. Oshkosh got past Platteville. DeSales past Stevens. Roger Williams past Gordon. Ah, the losses come at the very bottom of the receiving votes category. Estavis Godolphus lost to St. Mary's. That's their fourth loss of the season. Ohio Northern lost to Otterbein. That's their fifth loss of the season. Redlands lost to Whittier. 
Uh, that's their fourth loss of the season. Redlands has lost a couple of games since we talked to them. We'll have to see how that plays out for them. But So there you go. That's how games have played out so far. We'll keep track of games today. There are some midday games, I think. We'll certainly double-check the, 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 that information. I don't, I'm not absolutely positive about that. Anyway, so we're on the air. We're simulcasting on multiple avenues. We hope you'll take advantage of those avenues if you can. Um, Facebook's a little weird with how it shows us comments, so we'll try and keep track of the comments uh, if we can. No guarantees. We're obviously on on Twitter. We we react the best we can on Twitter, and we have email, hoopsville at d3sports.com, uh, which reminds me checking the other computer out here. Making sure the computer's charging, it is, and we have email up and running. So there you go. Um, it it the whole point of this show is to celebrate D three basketball. We're into the last month of the season to get people up to speed on things like regional rankings and and the rest of that world uh, because that will become rather important as you can imagine. So we'll we, we talk a lot about that. Um, we also showcase Division three as much as we can. Uh, that's why Luis McCleary's on. And then we talk to student-athletes. Obviously, they're the most important part of this, along with coaching staffs and whatnot. And so we try and get a couple student-athletes on the show. I, I will admit, probably not our best show. Um, we, we certainly ha- could do better uh, in terms of booking. But it this year has been wacky in terms of my schedule. And so we got what we got. So there you go, folks. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking Johns Hopkins basketball with a senior, Connor Delaney. He's also a lacrosse player. What does that all mean, and how does that all play out? Well, we find out from him. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. 
not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon, everybody. Hope you're enjoying uh, the show, though I know we really just got out of the gate. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com. We got the email up and running. We're on uh, YouTube uh, simulcasting the show, youtube.com slash Hoopsville, trying to keep track of the show there as best we can. We're also live simulcasting the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. So lots of ways to watch us. Want to thank our partners at Blue Frame. Maybe you're watching on the big screen. If you are, take a picture of it. We love seeing that. Share it, to, share it with us on Twitter. Uh, if you happen to watch it through the Team One Sports app, thanks to Blue Frame Technology. All right, so Division Three student-athletes, we all know, uh, don't just play sports. They're obviously in the classroom. They're involved very much on campuses with a lot of other things and sometimes off, outside their campuses. And we'll talk to a couple student-athletes about that today. One of the stories that I like, mainly because it's from the Baltimore area, so I'm a little closer to it, and as one who covers lacrosse, especially having gotten deep into D1 but also D3, this one kind of caught my attention last year when basketball got shut down for a majority of Division Three, including at Johns Hopkins. One of the players at Johns Hopkins had a choice. Believe it or not, he got recruited to play D1 lacrosse and chose to play D3 basketball, well, he got to do both. He got to play for the Hopkins Blue Jays D1 basketball program. But on top of that, he's also the one that handed Swarthmore their first loss in 2020. And he's a pretty darn good basketball player. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline from Johns Hopkins, it's the senior, um, Connor Delaney. And Connor, thanks for the time. First and foremost, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. L listen, I, I again, got to... 
there's so much we can go down this road, but let's start with the basketball. Let's keep it there first and foremost. You've had a tremendous career at Hopkins so far. You guys have been really successful while you've been there under Josh Leffler, et cetera. I'm curious, what's it been like the last really five years? Um, I mean, I think it's been just an experience I never really could have imagined. Um, obviously, I uh, this is my fifth year here, so I got here in 2017, and and that was uh, Coach Leffler's first year under the program. He actually didn't recruit me. That was Coach Bill Nelson, and so you know I had high hopes for for what we could be as a team. And um, you know when when I got to meet Coach Leffler for the first time, he just kind of laid out his plan and his his vision for success and. Um, you know, it, it really kind of, you know, kind of started working right away. We had a great, uh, you know, upper class group when I got here as a freshman. Um, and they kind of laid the groundwork for, for myself to kind of learn from them and, and kind of, you know, watch, watch them and play alongside them and, um, you know, take what I could from them and, and transition that into, you know, un, I guess four playing years, but a five total years of, of really really good success at, at Johns Hopkins. And I couldn't have asked for much more from my experience. I will get into the recruiting because you added a twist. I didn't quite appreciate though. I wasn't sure about what I want to talk about in the middle because it's not as simplistic as it may seem, but to the playing style, you guys have had a bunch of different types of players too. You you've, you've been, you've got the big side, big inside presence that you've lost some of that from the previous years, but you still got some guys who can play inside. You got nice guards, on the outside that shoot and you got a ball handler like yourself who can either distribute all night long if you want to, or shoot all night long if you want to, or some hybrid of the both every night. Do you guys understand what you're going to do? Or is it kind of a little bit of what you get when you get on the floor dictates who's going to have the bigger night? I mean, I, I think we have just a number of guys who can go out and score 15 to 20 points every night. Um, you know, our, our bigs, uh, especially Sid Theibel and Chidnake, have been unbelievable all year of controlling the inside on the defensive end of the floor, um, you know, and putting in shots around the rim and being, you know, super good screeners and rollers and and, fin- and finishing inside. And then uh, speaking to our, our wings and our guards, um, you know, Tom Corey was all-conference two years ago and has increased his level of play this year. Just his, his confidence that I've seen in him is um, – just incredible from, you know, his ability to shoot the ball and put it on the floor and make great decisions. Uh, Carson James has been, um, you know, an awesome player that has just improved every single game this year. Um, You know, kind of had to learn the ropes a little bit his freshman year, got some time, but really stepped up as a starter this year. And, um, you know, other guys like uh, Ethan Bartlett, Braden Johnson, freshman John Winley, and, you know, I could keep going on and on and on about, you know, every single one of our guys um, who have put in so much time, you know, before we got here in the off season um, and continue to work on their, their craft as uh, the season goes along. Um, It's, you know, every, every game is a little different. We, we try to, you know, stick to our plan, especially on the offensive end, but just having so many guys that can knock down shots can get to the rim um, and have just an amazing impact on a game uh, is, is definitely helpful. You guys have had some incredible battles in the conference, especially at the top against Swarthmore. It's been an interesting conference because it's really been top-heavy in terms of really good teams. You and Swarthmore have been in and out or part of the top 25 almost your entire career there, whereas the rest of the conference hasn't been much of the conversation, but they've been a pain in the ass too. This year, Swarthmore has gotten you guys 
both times, but they've been tripped over by other conference mates. What's it like to one go up against SWAT? Cause there's, you kind of grew up near the school too, but at the same time, knowing that even a trip to Washington college could trip you up. I think it's, I think it's fun. I mean, speaking to Swarthmore, they're an unbelievably coached team, uh, you know, super sound on the defensive end and they always, they always get up to play us. And I think uh, we're the same way. I think we, um, we treat every game in conference like it's, you know, one game at a time and it's super important, but those games just, you know, are held to a, a little bit of a higher standard for us. And um, they've done an awesome job at, at, you know, guarding us and, and being able to score the ball on us and taking two tough losses. But, um, you know, I think, you know, speaking to the rest of, of the conference, we do a good job of, you know, treating uh, every game like it's the most important game and, and really coming out and, um, you know, regardless of the other team's record, um, we, you know, treat them with the utmost respect because anyone can beat anybody in this conference. Um, and just, it just makes it a lot of fun because, you know, there's a lot of good players, a lot of good coaches in the conference. And, um, you know, as you said, anyone can beat anybody. So got to take it one game at a time and, you know, hopefully keep racking up those wins. Interestingly enough, you got, of course, you hit the dagger against Swarthmore in the conference championship that gave them their first loss of the season back in 2020. That was almost the start of what was a surreal week and then surreal, what, 18 months. You hit that shot. You're into the NCAA championship. Swarthmore is into the NCAA championship. You're hosting. It's going to be an incredible weekend. Shiva's coming to town, which, as you know, in Baltimore, it means something. Goldfarb was going to be busting at the seams if it wasn't already. Now the game's being played in front of empty gyms. You guys take a first-round loss, fast-forward that, and you don't even know if you're playing the next season. Just I know it's not an easy thing probably to to break down, but give me a sense, starting with that game and getting to this to today, what the roller coaster has been like from your perspective as a student. Yeah. I mean, it's been crazy that that entire week was like everyone kind of was, was looking on Twitter and, and whatnot and seeing what was coming out about Yeshiva and, and just the world in general. And um, to get that kind of late night text from coach on Thursday night that there were going to be no fans was definitely just like so challenging for us to, to wrap our heads around, um, you know, obviously a packed goal for gymnasium is is you know hard for a road team to come in and play against and we love our fans and um you know miss them right now and hope to get them back soon but that was uh just definitely shocking and and you know all throughout the uh kind of the uncertainty of the last almost two years now um it's 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 been it's been tough but i think uh for the guys on our team everyone's kind of been I guess like it, it makes you like understand that why, why you came to play at Johns Hopkins because you love playing and you love basketball. Um, you know, I think that, you know, anybody that didn't really, you know, love the game would have been a little like, why am I doing this? But ever, everyone kind of still was able to find a gym and, you know, one way or another, find, find a weight room and continue to work. And it's gotten, you know, all that work in the past year and a half is, uh, led us to where we are right now. So interesting because you came back for your senior year. Obviously, Hopkins is not one of those places that taking a gap year maybe is the easiest thing to do. And that's not because you know, the school won't allow it. It's just you're deep into your your uh, academics. 
And I know you guys had hopes of playing. Those get pulled out from under you. That started a whole other road for you. First and foremost, how easy or hard was the decision to come back and complete your basketball career by basically having to do uh, master's programs and 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 get into the postgraduate life? Um, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, I think it was very easy because of the injury I suffered my sophomore year where I lost the the latter two thirds of the season. Fair, um, yeah. And from that point, I was already thinking about a fifth year. And then with all the COVID stuff, I knew it was the right decision for me because there was just um, a bit of like, I, I wanted to finish on the, the right note. You know, it was a little challenging kind of taking that first round exit and, um, you know, suffering kind of a, a less extensive, but similar injury in that game. So I knew that, you know, if I could have gotten in the master's school that, you know, one more year was uh, something that I really, really wanted to do. What did you major in undergraduate and what do you do in master's wise? I was a applied math and statistics undergrad and I'm doing the, the finance master's. Applied math and statistics. Interesting. I mean, sounds like I'd have fun, but it's Hopkins. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'd get buried. Um you then took advantage of that year, though. And what people don't realize that I knew for a little bit was you got recruited out of high school for D1 lacrosse, mm-hmm. at least D3 basketball. I don't know about the rest. And so you had a really interesting choice. We'll get to that in just a moment. I've teased it a few times. But you chose to play Hopkins lacrosse last year. I'm sure there were a bunch of hurdles to figure that all out. That's one of the premier programs and has been for decades in D1 lacrosse was that a natural decision oh basketball's off I'm gonna go play lacrosse or was that also a little bit of a back and forth um I mean start I mean I guess like all my life I've been a you know multi-sport athlete and lacrosse and basketball were my you know favorite sports to play um you know I loved picking up the lacrosse stick after basketball season and um playing with my teammates uh back in middle school and high school and stuff like that so um, you know, I always loved doing both and I never, you know, wavered in terms of like specializing in one in high school. Um, but you know, in terms of the decision to play for Hopkins, my mom kind of put that in the back of my mind and in, in the fall. And she was like, you know, maybe if your basketball season get canceled, why don't you call yeah, Coach Hopkins Millman because you love, there's a spot for you. And, and I was like, okay, like, well, um, you know, in September I was like, eh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and as it kind of got closer to you know, the ultimate decision for our conference not to play, you know, became more of a bit of a reality. And, uh, you know, the day that the Centennial canceled, I ended up first talking to my high school coach, um, Chris Bates, um, kind of getting his, you know, thoughts on it. And then um, talked to Coach Leffler and he just was like, go for it. Like, I know that, you know, you still kind of love watching lacrosse and, and I've always been really good. And, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that he knew that I was committed to coming back the following year, this year. Um, but he just gave me his, his full support. And I called uh, our, our new coach, Coach Millman, uh, after that. And he said, if you're ready to, you know, come get to work and, and really take this very seriously, that there's definitely a spot for you. So I got to get to the recruiting side because there's also a couple of twists on this because you just mentioned Coach Mo. So you're you out of high school, you're being recruited for at least D1 lacrosse and D3 basketball, if not at a higher level at basketball. And I'm assuming at the lower levels for, for lacrosse as well. 
you have a lot of choices. I heard you had, you had a choice at one point between Villanova and Hopkins for lacrosse. Um, you're being co- you're being recruited by Bill Nelson, the former head coach at Hopkins, and then you make a choice and you get a new coach in Josh Leffler, who at the time was the assistant at Loyola. And a quick note: you're being recruited. I assume I think you were being recruited for Hopkins lacrosse. Please correct correct me in a moment. That was Coach Petromala, Dave Petromala, and now you end up playing last year for Coach Mo. So. Two programs that you were looking at, you end up playing for coaches who weren't there when you were looking at them. That's a, a little bit of a quirk on a very unique recruiting world. I, I'm kind of sure. give us an, an idea of how that whole recruiting world took place for you. Yeah. So, um, I mean, originally back in high school, I loved basketball first and foremost. But, um, you know, when I started playing in high school and stuff, I got the opportunity to play in varsity for lacrosse. And, um, switch positions and you know the d1 kind of thing caught my eye and I went for that full time and um, was originally going to go to Villanova as you said um, for about a year but in the back of my mind I was always like basketball is kind of my first sport so um, you know took took me a little while to go for it but but um, eventually said that you know even if it's d3 still gonna it's gonna go and find just a, a great you know academic school first and and um, you know, fortunately enough, I was able to, um, you know, get enough look from Coach Nelson and, and you know, uh, basically committed to Johns Hopkins in my senior year. And, um, you know, speaking to the, the Petromala, uh, Coach Petromala story, I ended up, um, you know, having a really, really good senior year lacrosse, um, won my league MVP. And, um, you know, he he had never recruited me kind of when I was super young, when I was younger, but because of that senior season, he reached out because he knew I was coming, um, ended up speaking with him at school in the summer and, you know, wanted to just get my thoughts on playing both the school. And I talked to coach Leffa that day too. And, um, kind of just stuck to, I came here to play basketball. I came here to, you know, do that first and foremost. And coach Petromala completely understood and, um, ever since then has just been, you know, super kind and, and nice and would say hi to me around campus, ask me how I was doing, ask me how classes were. And, um, you know, I, I really, I really appreciated his, um, you know, genuine interest in how I was doing basketball wise and, and academic wise. And, um, you know, I think his, even if he, you know, never coached me, he kind of helped me feel comfortable to, to go, um, you know, to the lacrosse program last year. So you had an option at one point of basically playing co- both. Coach Petro was going to be more than happy to wait for you to finish yes. basketball season, even if it took you to the national championship before getting inserted into lacrosse. Mm-hmm. That's interesting considering that's a D1 program. And I'm not trying to say that programs are different, but being a D1 program, there's a lot more at stake. There, there's more need to make sure everybody's kind of ready to go to let you play D3 basketball ahead of that. That's That's significant. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's an entire fall season that I would have had to kind of go through up until October 15th start date. Sure. But, sure. Um, you know, I'm, you know, also Johns Hopkins is a, a difficult school and, yeah. uh, you know, as much as I believed with, you know, I could have maybe potentially done it. I think it helped me be um, as successful as I was on the academic side by just sticking to basketball and, um, you know, having, much of the early fall and the late spring to focus more on the uh, academic side. Yeah. Cause technically you would have been going from the start of school to, yeah, I was going to say, when did lacrosse start? So start of school. 
Yeah. All the way to the end of school. You you mm-hmm. wouldn't have you wouldn't have stopped technically. Nope. <laughs> and we should point out, by the way, being a D3 student athlete, you're not getting any money from the D1 side. You can't get a scholarship from the lacrosse program to be on their program because you're you're a D3 student athlete. Mm-hmm. So you're making your walk on. You know, everyone talks about walk ons. Everyone talks about the non um, scholarship players on D1 programs. You're you're literally that, though, for for a very good reason. Um, have you thought about playing this coming season? I'm still just going to um, kind of leave that decision to the, after the basketball season. Just want to um, basically just see how my, my, my mental is. If I'm, I'm sure. ready to kind of, you know, take another, you know, grueling season and basically just how my, my body feels too. Um, you know, been playing sports for a long time and that kind of takes a toll. So just going to focus on basketball for the rest of the year. Um, and then as soon as, you know, whenever it ends, just, you know, talk to my parents and, and talk yeah. to people I trust around me and, you know, make a decision. I, I think it'll, uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll be easy one way or another. Uh, you mentioned way. switching uh, positions in high school. Something that jumped out at me about lacrosse is that you're a long stick midi in lacrosse. And, and for those who don't quite understand, you're mm-hmm. the, you're basically the general on the basketball court. You've got the ball in your hands. You run the offense. You're basically the, you know, Leffler's guy on the floor in the sense that what he wants run, you're out there doing it. Long stick midi, that's not the role in lacrosse. You're you're not the face-off guy. You're not the lead attack guy. You're not even the lead midi. You're kind of that defensive guy who may come up the field, but you're really out there for an extra long pull to, for the defensive side. You're more following what everybody does. That's that's two different worlds. So I'm curious, what did you switch from to be an LSM? And second of all, how do you how do you adapt to the different roles that you are basically given in two different sports? Yeah. So I was originally uh, just a midfielder growing up, but I always, um, you know, had a knack for being more of a defensive specialist. So, you know, a pretty easy transition once I got to my freshman year of high school and my head coach asked me to, if I wanted to switch and maybe get a little varsity time. So, gotcha. um, you know, pretty seamless. And, um, you know, in terms of the differences in the playing styles, um, you know, the defensive end of the floor in basketball and the defensive side of the field in lacrosse are so similar in terms of, you know, moving your feet, um, you know, being physical where you can. But, um, you know, the off ball defense in both sports are really similar um, and just like kind of the IQ level in terms of helping and, um, you know, help and recovery, playing on ball. Um, there's a there's a ton of similarities and. Um, and another thing that I, um, kind of enjoyed doing and, and as an LSM was, was running the field when we got a, a turnover or save. And that's kind of where the basketball side of being a point guard comes in. I'm able to, you know, read different situations pretty quickly with the ball, um, you know, make the right pass, um, and basically kind of turn, turn transition offenses, point guard into transition offenses in LSM. I've always found some of the best lacrosse players played soccer and or basketball at some point, and we're good at it. That always helps, but understand the floor because lacrosse is such a hybrid of of that and hockey, of those two in hockey. Not that lacrosse isn't its own sport, but if you want to watch it and learn it, I always tell people: imagine you're watching ice hockey, soccer, and basketball kind of all mixed up. You'll kind of understand what's going on. Hey, listen, I could talk to you forever. I find it fascinating. Thank you for the time. 
Um, yeah, <laughs> this is why I wanted you on because the idea that you're playing D3 basketball, you got D1 lacrosse into it, and you got some time last year on top of that is just fascinating, and I loved it. So thanks so much. And on top of that, as you said, you're at Hopkins. It's not exactly an easy institution. I know as I wasn't getting into that place. So uh, congratulations on everything you've achieved. Really appreciate the time and the insight and understanding of what you do. Uh, good luck both at the rest of this basketball season, but also if you decide to play lacrosse, if not, good luck with whatever else you decide to do. Hopkins student-athletes tend to do pretty well out in the real world. Um, we always have the guests give the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Um, I mean, I just thank thank you for having me on. It was it was fun to talk about all that stuff. And um, I'm just looking forward to the, to the end of the season and um, the end of my basketball career, just trying to appreciate every day I have left with the, the, the sport that I really love. So, well, thank you. I, I could ask you a ton of questions about, you know, what's it like to be in the top 25? Do you have to go after Swarthmore? We didn't even dive into the fact that you were down the road from Swarthmore growing up and didn't even go there, all that, but we got to get going. I got to let you go. You've got better things to do than this, but thank you for your time. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to catching up, catching up with you down the road. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Absolutely. Connor Delaney joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline from Johns Hopkins. Again, senior guard for the Blue Jays basketball program. Maybe a long stick midi again this season for lacrosse. We'll see uh, as we get closer to that. When we come back, we switch gears, talk women's basketball. The coach who literally got booked a couple hours ago, Washington Jefferson's women's basketball program, will get featured right here on Hoopsaw. You're listening to Hoopsaw presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more of the marathon when we come back. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. Welcome back to Hoopsville the Marathon. We are underway, though we're still in our first hour. We're going to have to pace ourselves. I've been sipping on the coffee. Uh, and yes, I've got refills. 
and uh, agua too. So I got a couple snacks hiding over here too, though at some point we're going to have to get a meal in. We do have a couple tape segments coming up later in the program. Why? Because not everybody can appear on the Hoopsville Marathon live, and I'm not totally insane. Slightly, but not totally. Got to get breaks. All right, so one of the challenges of the Hoopsville Marathon is booking guests. Usually it goes smoothly. Not always. This segment, not really. But we finally got it pulled out of our butts about two hours ago, thanks to a guest who was willing to come on at the last second. Wanted to make sure we talked women's basketball in Region 7, because on Thursdays we talk Region 7, and women's basketball was in the rotation. Looking through, there's a lot of good women's programs in Region 7, as we all know, starting with Hope and Trine in the MIAA, but you can't forget DePaul, and there's plenty of others who are having great seasons. One of them that's having a tremendously good season is Washington and Jefferson out of the PAC. So, yeah, it's kind of an easy decision. Let's talk W&J. I just plan to do it a little further down the road. But it's going to happen today during an ice storm. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology <laughs> Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the women's basketball program. It's Gina DeRubo. Coach, thanks for, for literally bailing us out of what would have been us just talking to a wall for the next 20 minutes. Yeah, happy to do it. It's a good day. Everybody's home inside today. I had to hide my daughter's room because my kids are home from school and who knows what happens there. So yeah, happy to help. So you volunteered to be on the show when the kids are at home. I, even more props to you. Yeah, even my husband's home. It's like a full house in here today. Yeah, we so know I that literally feeling. locked myself in my daughter's room. So I, so you see all her stuff on the wall. I thought it was your room. I thought you just like yeah. to decorate with your last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no chance. Um, don't worry. My wife is about... 30 feet that way in another right. area of the house. And uh, later today, the kids will be home. So I get it. Right. And uh, we've had some snow days. Might happen tomorrow. Listen again, uh, your your conference, your team, et cetera, you're playing well. You just picked up your 15th win of the season. You're 12-1 and one with a two-game lead on a, on a pretty good Grove City squad. Um, nothing against the rest of the conference, but nobody else is close. Um, right. Westminster is three and a half games back. I And I think – You've gotten at least one on Grove. I think you got another one coming yeah. up on them. So you've got yeah, basically kind of up. your heads and shoulders above the rest of the conference. How's the season gone from your perspective? Well, it's, uh, I mean, I wasn't sure at the beginning. I expected to have 15 wins already. So, you know, we've got a good, really interesting combination of younger kids and older kids, but we're playing a lot of youth and we graduated everybody last year, just about. So, um, We've really come together. I mean, we're playing really well. We're playing our best basketball now, which is great, um, you know, looking into the, the end of the season here. So we feel really good about where we're at in our standings and how we're playing. And we're kind of on the right path headed in, in an upward, you know, direction instead of down at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's if this is the time of year in a normal year. It's a grind. Right. It obviously is a grind even more so now. Interesting enough, of your four losses on the season, Two of them came in the opening three games. Marietta, who's definitely a good program that we didn't mention at the top of the, of the segment, and LaRoche, interesting enough, going to have her their women's basketball coach right. later on in the program. The picture, one of the pictures I got has her in the background. Pretty, yeah. pretty appropriate. <laughs> that that stretch must have been a little bit deflating coming out of the gate. But I also realized there was COVID and trying to play as a team that you hadn't played in a while and all that jazz. And, and yes, you played last year, but it was sparingly, et cetera. But what, from your perspective, was the start of the season like? Well, there was just a lot of unknowns, I feel like, at the start of the uh, start of the season. So, you know, 
if we played those teams now, would we win? Not definitely, but would they, we have a great game? I think so, you know, so we're a way different team than we were in the beginning. And, you know, we lost a conference player of the year, another thousand point score, you know, so we lost so much. So those first few games of the year, um, we were just a little bit unsure of ourselves. And we asked some kids who were more role players last year to step up and be the players this year. And I think that takes a little bit of adjustment, obviously, um, you know, especially at the beginning of a season. So I feel like we've really grown from the beginning to end and them not panicking. Oh my gosh, we've lost two games early, you know, a program that's not used to losing that can kind of weigh on you a little bit, but they've never faltered at all. And they believe in the system and they, I think most importantly, believe in each other. So it's kind of, uh, we lost two games, big deal. Let's move forward. Um, you then lost to Penn State Barron uh, at the beginning of December, but then since then you've only taken one loss. It was in conference against Bethany. We'll talk about that in a moment. But you've also lost games in the sense that you, games that you were hoping to play over Christmas, for example, and all of that. Right. There's been a yeah. lot, obviously, that everybody's been dealing with in terms of postponements and cancellations and adjustments to schedules. It's almost like take last year and then make it worse in terms of logistics. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, kudos to kids all over the country for how they're handling this and their coaches and planning and just talk about lessons in life with overcoming adversity. I mean, this is it, you know? So yeah, kids are kind of dealing with it everywhere. Well, and I look at the schedule and and you've had some moments where you've had to sneak a lot of games in into a short window. Uh, three games right. a week has not become an abnormal, but <laughs> the 19th, you played Chatham. 22nd Westminster, 24th Teal, 26th Bethany. I mean, that's the kind of seven days, four games or eight yeah. days, depending on how you look <laughs> at the math. And up ahead, you got a little bit of a tight window as well. You're going to play a bunch of three games in, in a week thing. How do you pace the team out, especially now that you're late in the season and banged up because everybody's banged right. up? Yeah. How do, you, how do you pace that all out? Well, I think one thing that has helped us is our depth you know, is um, we don't have to play kids 30 minutes, 35 minutes a game to win. So that's been a blessing. And you know what? These kids have just been focused and it's, it kind of takes away from your practice time, right? You play, you prep, you play, you prep. There's nothing in between. We're actually off today and it's the first day um, we've had truly off and, and quite some time. So even if we're coming in to watch film on a, you know, a, a day off. So it's been a grind, but these kids are so enjoyable if I would have said, Hey, we got to take an extra day off. They actually tried that once. And they looked at me like, are you, are you sure coach? Like, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm like, all right, then we'll come in and we'll practice, Fine, you know? We'll so that's, it. yeah, it's kind of been their mindset. So um, it hasn't been too terribly bad. I think the three day game, three week, three games a week is also hard on like watching film and trying to prep, you know, it's kind of hard for everybody, but they've handled it great. You know, it hasn't been much of an issue. That's incredible. Um, but I, as a student athlete, I know at one time when I was playing, we got into a really good groove one year playing a game. Then uh, let's see on a Monday, we would be off, I think, or Sunday was off practice Monday. Yeah. Um, I think it was game Tuesday, practice Wednesday, game Thursday, practice Friday, game Saturday, day off Sunday. And we got our groove. And then when it switched to Wednesday, Saturday, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Well, yeah. Then you actually have to practice a little harder, a little more. And that's no fun either. Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> didn't like the extra day where the coach could push us. A right. Little bit. Yeah, exactly. Tell me a little bit about the team. Tell me the the the, the nitty gritty. Who who do you who you all relying on? Who's playing the best? Who's the role player we're not talking about, et cetera? Right. 
Um, well, this team is just so selfless. I think that's why we're winning games. If you watch one of our games, you can literally see how much they care about each other. Literally, you can see it and feel it, I think. So I think, um, you know, who's playing well? We've got Piper Morningstar playing really well right now. She's playing with a lot of confidence and she doesn't have to score a ton of points to show her presence on the court. You know, she's really long and defensively. She drives people crazy. She's a six-one kid that can play every position and guard every position. And then uh, Cam Lack, like I don't have enough words for Cam Lack in terms of her leadership and what she's done for this group. Um, she's like everybody, she just holds everything together. And she's like, every, she's literally a coach. I talked to her yesterday. I'm like, why aren't you planning on coaching? Like, I feel like this should be a thing. Um, cause she literally puts our point guards through point guard workouts the day before a game I come in and it's written on the board and they're doing it. And she's, it's amazing. So yeah, that could be, amazing. I go, we were practicing at 10 o'clock in, in January. We have an intercession. I am not exaggerating. If we had practice at 10, I would walk in the building at eight 30 and they were already in there and cam was putting them through workouts before practice, like shooting. Seems a little unnecessary. Hey, we're shooting the ball really well right now. Okay. So apparently it's working. Um, so, you know, Cam's been playing really well. Um, Megan Dryberg is a freshman for us, and she's just kind of had some ups and downs statistically, as every freshman tends to do. But she does so many little things. You know, she's scoring, she's almost averaging a double double. Um, I think the thing she does that doesn't get as much recognition is she passes the ball exceptionally well, great floor vision. So she's been a kid that's going to be great here and, and has really come alive. I think that's why we're playing so well right now is she's kind of gotten her freshman stuff out of the way, it seems. And she's really playing with a lot of confidence right now. Freshman stuff. I like how you put freshman that. stuff. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and, and really, as we've talked a lot on the show and it, it bears repeating every time, that freshman stuff is two classes worth because yes, right. you had some games last year, but let's be honest, you didn't have a full season. You didn't have the normal grind. You didn't have the realities of what a real season is like. And so for two classes worth, they're still adjusting to what February basketball is really about. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you say that our, you know, sophomores this year, I must've said to them 10 times last year, you know, cause we didn't start until the end of January. We only practiced nine days before we started playing. And then it's like, play practice, play, play, you know? So I must've said to them over and over guys, this isn't normal. I swear. Usually have a lot more time to learn and it's longer and it's a more of a grind. Like I just need you to understand this isn't normal. So next year you might think you're dying when you have to play for 20 weeks, you know? So, and that's exactly where we're at And that, you know, like Sarah Berardelli, our sophomore center is a perfect example of that. You know, she's such a great player and she's kind of up. I feel like she's going through freshman stuff, exactly what you just said, even though she's a sophomore um, she just needs more game time. And, you know, last year she played behind a couple of senior post players. So it didn't have a ton of game time, some, um, but this year she's still kind of up and down, which I think you would see a little bit more in a freshman season, but for really for, this is her freshman year, you know, um, at least in terms of how it feels with experience, but she, um, is kind of getting through it as well. You, you've got a team that's won. 15 games, you're you're aiming for your first conference title since 05-06, which to me is mind-blowing because I feel like, 
I mean, we've had a number of 21 seasons. We, like I'm playing on the team. Um, you've had a number of 21 seasons. You've had a number of really good seasons. I mean, the last time I can look at a below 500 seasons back to 2012. Right. So it seems surprising that you're in this position. Has the top of the pack maybe not been appreciated for as good as it has, as it is, or is it just a result of the grind of a season that sometimes things just don't work out at the end the way you want them to? Well, it's funny, right? So it has been since 2006. It feels like an eternity, and it has been. Um, but don't forget, we had Thomas Moore in there for 12 oh, years. I was trying to ignore that fact. <laughs> so we had that. Push that aside and the rest of it, like the last four years. No, you literally push them aside, just for the record. Push them aside. Let's not ever speak of them again. Um <laughs> but the last four years we've been in the championship four straight years and lost by a point or two points. And so the last few years, it's just been like last year's class, you know, they were so amazing and awesome. And we were kind of online to do last year was the year. I thought this is our year. And then right before our conference tournament, literally we, the first time all season, we got shut down for two weeks. We got out of quarantine last year on the day of the conference tournament. So we hadn't played in 14 days got out five hours later, played a conference tournament game, made it to the conference championship and just ran out of gas. You know, like we lost by two points. It was hard. I'm still kind of heartbroken about it. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, we are hoping that this can be the year that sometimes you just need to be lucky on top of talented and all those other things. So we're hoping this is the year that, you know, we can make it happen. Yeah, you mentioned your players. Uh, Morningstar, by the way, love the name Piper Morningstar, just for the record. Uh, Only player in double (laughs) figures for your team. Um, interesting enough, a uh, note from your AD that her older sister Meg played volleyball at Notre Dame and younger sister plays volleyball at Louisville. So Piper had a different plan. Yeah. Yeah. She, 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 she said, listen, I like holding the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her dad's a basketball player, right? So she was trying to be her dad's favorite. Like there, he's a basketball well, guy. So well he played done, it. Well yeah, done. exactly. She's not dumb. I'm pretty sure so, my daughter picked up a goalie in soccer because she wanted to make her dad proud. She may be changing <laughs> her mind about that, but. Yeah, God well, bless you never her. know, right? Um, you also have uh, Cameron Lack, who you mentioned, senior guard. I mean, shooting insane. You talked yeah. about that. You also talk about the fact that they share the ball well. Note here, six in the, the division in assist-to-turnover ratio with three of the play, uh, three top players in the PAC, all coming right. from WNJ. You're doing a lot of little things right. And, yes. And that is a da- – I always think the teams that do the little things right are the most dangerous, not the teams that necessarily – shoot the lights out of a building because if they can't pass or they, they can't hold on to the ball, it doesn't matter what they shoot. So right. it feels like you guys have the right mix right now. That could bode well without trying to say too much. Right. Are the yeah, goals I mean, nothing, lofty? Pardon me? Say Are your again? goals lofty as a result? Uh, you know, I think they're just focusing on the day-to-day. And I think you talk about the little things. It's like we're going to have an off-shooting day. But sure. if you pass the ball well enough, you can always get easier shots, yeah. you know. So if you're not hitting threes and you pass the ball well, you can get layups and get to the foul line. And we've been – we do one particular drill every day. They hate it. So if they're listening, they know what I'm talking about. Um, but trying to get easier high-percentage shots, and it was a focus for us. Like if you can't make threes on a particular day, you got to get high-percentage shots. So we've been doing that every day, and I think it's made a, a difference. Um, but a lot of that is just a lot of interior passing that gets you easy shots. So that's something we've been focusing on. Hey, quickly, the conference has ebbed and flowed. You mentioned Thomas Moore. Obviously, they left, uh, Did uh, spent some time in the NAIA jail apparently because they're c- trying to come back to D2 now. 
Right. We can all read into why they did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, good luck. Um, you guys now will also, I mean, so you lost them, but now you're going to be adding Allegheny. I, there's speculation. It could go further than that. Won't get into that, but right. what's it like to try and deal with an ever changing footprint for lack of a better description or, or nuance to the conference, or is it just one of those you just roll with? I think for us, it's one of those things you just roll with it, especially Allegheny. We've played Allegheny every year I've been here, same date every year. So that's an easy, we play them anyway. It's You're not even a like different date though. Right. I feel like that's not even a change. So um, yeah, you know, you just, you kind of just see who you're playing, you prepare and every year is a little bit different, but it's the same process. Well, it's fascinating. And again, I appreciate you coming on at the last minute. Obviously the loss to Bethany, I'm sure stings a tiny bit, but I'm sure you're using that as motivation moving forward because uh, you got some big games coming up and you finished the season with Grove City. So you might be in a comfortable position, but there's still a lot to play with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about at Bethany, you know, the kids were bummed in the locker room, like, oh, God, is she going to yell us? What's she going to say? Or is she mad? But, you know, you go on the road, you play a good team that made big shots. It happens, right? I never expected to be undefeated. So, and they were like, okay, yeah, you're right. They made big plays when they needed to. They won at home. It's it's moved forward. So, um, you know, I think they're excited for the conference tournament, finishing up the season and that. And we're, we've said all year, like our goal is we want to host the conference tournament. You got to give yourself the best opportunity and the most advantages to win a championship. And so our focus now is hosting the conference tournament and knock on wood at this point, things look encouraging. So we just got to take care of business down the stretch. Yeah. Obviously it's important to bring them everybody through Henry Memorial if you can. Right. Um, yeah. Versus hitting the bus. If you can't, if you can avoid it, like on a day like today. Right. So exactly. You know, there. our fans have been fantastic this year. The students at WJ, for whatever reason this year are coming out and they are fantastic and they're back in the gym and it's kind of a, a new thing. And the, our kids are feeding off of it. Our men's team is feeding off of it. It's been fantastic. So we're hoping to keep it at home. Any truth to the rumors, the IT department's been shutting down the internet to the uh, dorms for basketball games. Yeah. So they have nothing. They can't study, right? Come over to the gym. All the dorms are right around it. What are you doing? Take a break. <laughs> no, I agree with the last part. Take a damn break. Yeah. Come kids enjoy are too game. Serious. Yeah. Well, Hey, congratulations again. Really appreciate the time, especially last minute. Uh, I listen, my suggestion is stay in the room, keep it locked and just enjoy some quiet time to yourself, but I don't know if the yeah. family will approve. Listen, everyone that knows my two twin boys, they'll absolutely say, stay in that room and lock the door. <laughs> the fact you said two twin boys, I don't need to know anymore. Get it. Exactly. I understand. Hey, thanks for the time. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, just, you know, thanks for all the work that you do and, uh, you know, and supporting D3 athletes. I think it's fantastic. We appreciate it. Well, thanks. Appreciate the kind words, mm -hmm. especially those you wrote to me as well. I, I really do appreciate that. Hey, yep. uh, enjoy. Take care. Thanks. thanks again. And we'll talk to you down the road. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. Absolutely. Gina DeRubo. DeRubo. I knew I'd screw it up once. Uh, joining us from Washington and Jefferson. Again, team is 15-4 and four overall, 12-1 and one conference play. Playing for a conference championship first time since 06. We'll take a break. When we come back, switch gears. Men's basketball. Head up to Susquehanna. Talk to my friend Frank Marcinic. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this.
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University I'm of New England, really sure. it just said, Hope I to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. So. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Recording in progress. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two to national Sorry, championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoopsville Marathon. Not sure what was going on in the break there, but we kept losing our commercial break while you saw me working on some production stuff. And well, it, it happens. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can certainly join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. And on on uh, YouTube, we're live simulcasting the show there as well. YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, gotten some questions. Thank you very much. One of them asked uh, Connor if he plays better on a Tuesday. 
Um, I didn't see it till after the show and I for, or the segment, and I forgot to ask him about how uh, at McDaniel he doesn't tend to play well, but then last night lit the building up. But like I said, I could have talked to him for a long time. Switching gears, talking, we're going back into the same region, but we're going to talk Landmark Conference men's basketball. Landmark race has been real interesting this year. I think a lot of people got spoiled by always expecting Scranton to be at the top. That's not necessarily the case. You look at the standings right now, they're in a tie for third with Catholic at 11 and 7 on the season, 5 and 3 in conference play. Catholic's 12 and 5, 5 and 3. Drew having an interesting year at 13 and 7 overall, 7 and 2 in conference play, but the one that stands out to me, Susquehanna, 16 and 4 overall. They are 8 and 1 in conference action, and more importantly, um Last night, got a win over Drew in you know pretty controlling fashion and now swept that series. So they are in prime position at the top of the conference to make sure the games come through Selens Grove when it comes to conference tournament time. That just means we got to have a conversation with one of my favorite guests, and that is Coach Frank Marcinic. He joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline here via Zoom. And Coach, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us. Secondly, how you doing? Hey there, Coach. David Scott. Oh, there you are. Go ahead. You're freezing up on me here. I yeah. I don't know what what has happened, but uh, you're you're, you're frozen on my screen. I I hear you in and out a little bit. Yeah, just go ahead and I think we're getting you okay. So if you just want to go ahead and chat, we're fine. If things get worse, we'll figure it out. But how you doing? How's the season? Okay. Okay, let me. I'll just, I'll pick up uh, and talk a little bit. So uh, our our team has played very well as of late. Um, as you mentioned, we're eight and one in the conference. Uh, we've had a uh, uh, the last week has been a real challenge. Um, Well, Coach is there. We see things moving, but we're getting an internet issue. <laughs> it happens all the time sometimes. Um, you know what? We're going to take a break. We're going to catch up with Coach here in a second, see if we can maybe switch some things up. We're going to take a quick break, be back, try and figure it out. You're watching Hoopsville. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. 
That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Having a little bit of technical issues with uh, Coach Marcinic. He'll be joining us in a moment here. We're just going to reset things on his end. Um, again, we're gonna, if you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on the Facebook live stream, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, or on the Twitter live stream, um, or I'm sorry, on the YouTube live stream, youtube.com slash Hoopsville. Got a question from George. Uh, said he enjoys the show immensely. Watched the interesting interviews with Gabe Leifler and and Connor Delady, he said he'd be compelling to interview academic and basketball American Buzz Anthony on the upcoming Hoopsville program, engaging with your D3 audience. Well, we already plan to. We just haven't found the right time to do it yet. But we do have uh, Buzz on our short list. Thought about doing him for this week on this show, um, but decided to go a couple other directions instead. Also try to keep the show a little bit looser. In hindsight, Buzz would have been a great guest, but also we wanted more women's guests. We didn't do a good job with that, so that was our focus. Uh, but we will get Buzz... On a future show, that is our hope and plan. Uh, we just don't know the coordination yet. One of the disadvantages, we always talk to the number one team in the country uh, early on in the show. Of course, Randolph-Macon, or in the season, I should say, Randolph-Macon was number one. Hope was number one. As a result, we have a policy that we will not have a school or program on again until we have them uh, later in the season, and or really until we get to the playoffs. We don't want to repeat guests. If we kept repeating guests, th this show would get stale. Um, but one way around that would be to the student-athlete conversation. Anyway, my point being, we'll get Randolph make it on again later in the season, in the next few weeks, and Buzz Anthony is certainly on our short list to get on as well. So thanks for the email there, George. Um, Frank Marcinic is uh, able to rejoin us, and I'm so glad to, to say that. Oh, now if my computer behaves, yeah, it's going to behave. Join us back on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. It is the aforementioned Frank Marcinic. Coach, thanks for, for bearing with everything. Welcome back. I'll start with the same question I asked last. How's the season going, sir? Dave, it's gone well. Um, you know, as, as a lot of people have, have probably mentioned, it's, it's great to be back, but it was, uh, it was different not having played all last year and we returned a really good team last year that, uh, you know, we had high expectations for, but unable, were unable to play. And um, the start of the season was probably not as seamless as we may have hoped. Um, you know, we had injuries and COVID and everything else like everybody. And probably about the last month, things have seemed to uh, uh, you know, get on the right track for us. Um, you know, we're eight and one in the conference and um, our, our team has evolved greatly since December through now, you know, if you look at our scores back in December, you know, we were scoring 117, one game, we had 111, another game, but at the same time, we're giving up a hundred and you know, 97 and, and some ridiculous numbers. And it was just, you know, we didn't really believe we could be really good playing that way. And uh, so we've kind of adjusted our personnel and adjusted our scheme. And uh, it seems that, uh, that it's worked and we've kind of hit a, hit a nice stride right now. Yeah, you had a, a, a win against Elizabethtown, 111-91, against her sinus, 117-111. Uh, almost system-like scores. Um, some other games, 90-72, for example, 93-86, 98-92 against Catholic in overtime, granted. But since then, you know, there's Goucher, 68-52, Catholic, 62-59. Uh, Drew last night, 78-61. So, yeah. But that can be that can be hard to change mid-season. 
is it a full change or is it more buckling down what you wanted to be doing and just weren't doing well? Um, it was kind of a full change. Um, we have been a full pressing team, 94 feet, uh, 40 minutes. Um, and we just were giving up way too many easy baskets. And we changed our style, um, really started working on a new style, probably, I'm going to say around December the 10th. And uh, so spent a lot of practice time trying to change how we were going to play. However, when we played in the game, we were still playing the way we had before, which is, which is really weird and really interesting and probably didn't really play our new style, so to speak, until we went to Drew about three weeks ago. And uh, our defense has improved considerably. And I think to win championships, you know, the old saying is defense and rebounding. And um, our defense has just been uh, been very good. You know, in the last two games against Drew and against Juniata, uh, we held our opponents to six field goals and a half uh, in both those games. I always believe if you can hold your opponents under 10 field goals and a half, you're doing great. And they give up six field goals uh, to a good Juniata team and a good Drew team. I think I think speaks volumes and you know shows a level of consistency uh, with which we are playing. Yeah, the average is coming down, but you're still averaging almost 81 points on offense and and uh, 72, almost 73 points defensively. Granted, a lot has changed, as you pointed out. It's really interesting that you change everything mid-season. Also, the fact that it took a while. You're right. You think if you're practicing something, that's in their head when they hit the game, but it's almost like instinct takes over when they hit the court for the game and you kind of stayed in those old habits. You're still changing things and you've only got four losses on the season. You're, you're, you're 16 and four, you're eight and one in conference play. It says a lot that you're willing to make that change for starters and still be able to play so well. Well, I think our expectations for this group are quite high. We're a veteran team, a team that won the landmark conference championship two years ago. Uh, got to the NCAAs, won our first round game. Um, so I think we as a group know what it takes. And, um, you know, every, every team is a new team. And even though we returned a lot, um, we had to fit some new pieces in. And uh, as I said, it wasn't as seamless as I had hoped it would be uh, kind of continuing to play the way we did two years ago. Um, so we had to uh, had to tweak it and we tweaked it a good bit. Um, you know, I, I think when you look, you know, you, you've been around quite some time. When you look at the really good teams that are playing in March, they are, you know, they have size, they protect the rim, um, and we were not able to do that. So we brought a guy in that is, is a senior that has worked diligently to reach his potential, a kid named Jack Van Sickle from C. Milton Wright High School in, uh, in Bel Air, Maryland. And Jack had been a role player for us. And, you know, in practice day after day, he started to make more and more of an impression and we slid Jack into the starting lineup at Drew, which uh, would have been about two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And that has been the biggest uh, change we've made personnel-wise, but it's just allowed us to be bigger. So Jack's 6'9", Dominic Dunn, who's a very good player for us, 6'5", or 6'6", Quincy Houghton, 6'4", Lucas Jurst is 6'2", and then we have a point guard, Danny Fronheim, who's about 5'10". So um, our size and our, our strength and, you know, just our, our – our toughness has improved tremendously, and I think there are characteristics that you want if you're going to try to make a run at a, at a conference championship and hopefully be playing in March. Certainly fascinating, and forces all your coaches in, your, in the conference to be like, wait, hold on, get that other tape, <laughs> something's yeah, not yeah. right here, and have to spend time kind of re-scouting you guys. 
Um, you mentioned this team, uh, Lucas, 15 and a half points a game, Dominic, 14 points a game, Danny at 10 and a half. Granted, those numbers a little, maybe a little bit still influenced from the beginning of the season, but still impressive. I mean, come on, Lucas shooting 53% from the floor and Dominic and, and Danny are both shooting 42, 44%. Howie uh, Rankin Jr. is shooting 54%. There isn't a guy I can find here who's shooting poorly from the floor for a team that shoots 48%. And then you're shooting 38% from the arc, 73% from the free throw line. You're out-rebounding your opponents, kind of. Uh, that might be somewhere you might want to work on. But, I mean, God, a lot of this jumps out at me as a team that is clicking on offense and really good on defense. You know, if you look at our last couple box scores, we've probably had 15 more field goal attempts than our opponent. And that is a combination of a couple factors. One is we've been able to turn people over. Uh, last night, we caused 21 turnovers. Uh, I think on Monday, we caused 28 turnovers. And we're holding our own, as you mentioned, on, on, on in the rebounding statistic. Um, so the, the turnovers and our, very, and our ball handling, we are a very good ball handling team. You know, we turn it over less than 10 times a game. So, you know, if you're turning your opponent over 21, 22 times a game, and you're turning it over eight times a game, you know, you're getting your 13, 14 more shots per game. And as you said, we're a pretty good shooting team. Everybody we play, everybody that plays for us, we're at a pretty much an eight-man rotation now, but everybody can shoot the ball, which is something that we've always tried to recruit and always try to coach. Is uh, um, It's the greatest skill in the game. So we uh, we work hard at shooting the ball and, uh, and recruit shooters. You got uh, Juniata on the comeback game here a week after playing them, obviously because of COVID, the delay with Juniata, who had delays earlier in this early in January. Then you're uh, on the road against Moravian and Goucher next week, uh, back home against Scranton and Elizabethtown to finish things up. Got to see that Elizabethtown team last night. I saw the Scranton team game a few a team a few weeks back. Um, seen Moravian, seen Juniata. Some of the records are deceiving. They're a little bit more scrappy. How do you guys make sure you stay? for lack of a better word, unblemished into the end of the season here to make sure the games come through Sellins Grove and to make sure that you guys control the home court, no matter what the tournament ends up looking like. Well, one of our goals before the season um, established by our team was to uh, make sure we're in the NCAA tournament, whether we win the landmark or not. Who knows when you get into a conference tournament, what can happen? So we have really, you know, again, we tried to set ourselves up with good out-of-conference competition. And we are just playing every game like the tournament is dependent upon. You know, like you said about being unblemished, we don't want to stub our toe. Like, you know, we want to, you know, tomorrow is, is a playoff game or Saturday's a playoff game in our mind because we need to we need to win out. And if we win out uh, with our strength to schedule, um, good things should happen. You know, there's never a guarantee unless you do win the conference title outright. But, you know, we take care of one, um, two will fall into place. So I have a very mature group, you know, like, um, some, sometimes people say that if the loudest voice in the gym is the head coaches, you don't have a good good team. And that's not the case. We have terrific, terrific senior leaders, um, guys that have been around, um, guys that have you know, played in the conference tournament as freshmen, uh, won the conference championship as sophomores and are now back as seniors. So um, it is, it's all about the players. And, and, and I also have a terrific staff. Uh, yeah, we'd go back, by the way, to the 2019-2020 season. You guys finished 21-8. and eight. Went on a tear in the month of February. Uh, after losing three out of four, you guys ended up winning uh, eight in a row before Wittenberg tripped you up in the conference or in the NCAA tournament second round. 
You guys certainly represented well. I, it, it feels like you're you're trying to improve upon that, even if you don't have all of those individuals back. You may, you have a good core of them, but that that's got to be the building block, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know what we did two years ago um, was uh, was great, um, but uh, you know we're n- never never content, always trying to get better. And uh, as I said, this this is a very driven group of group of guys I'm coaching right now, and uh, you know they came here to play for championships and win championships, and that's uh, yeah that's what our, where our sights are set. Got the chance to see you on this particular marathon show a few years ago because we were talking about raising funds and and your battle against cancer. Um, knowing you as I know, I know things are going well, and I know that the cancer is in the rearview mirror. But it also feels like it's been a little bit of motivation for you that you've gotten this uh, opportunity to keep on going, and and you seem to be loving it even more. Dave, it's it you know you're you're, you're spot on. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but uh, in uh, May of 2016, I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, you know, fought my tail off and came out the other side um, in a better place. Um, but our team has played better since I was since I was uh, since I was sick. You know, that year we uh, got to the Sweet 16, won either tw- I think we won 23 games and then we you know, had a little bit of a blip the next year and then we. I got back on track the following year, and then the next year we won the conference title. Um, so it, you know, it, I, I do think about it. So you know, what you said is is spot on. It, uh, um, it's almost like a, you know, quote unquote second lease on life, and you know, go for the gusto. So you know, that's kind of what we're doing. What do you think of this conference race? I, again, as I said at the beginning, it's not the landmark we've gotten used to. That Scranton's on top. Everybody else is trying to battle with them, with Drew Catholic, yourselves, Juniata, et cetera, trying to battle it out. You guys are the top dog. Scranton's actually kind of, I don't, not in a negative way, but floundering a little bit in the middle of the conference. It feels very different this year, and it's hard to read exactly what you're going to get on any night. You know, I, I've felt that way since the beginning of the year that it could be a little bit of a topsy turvy type season. Um, I think that it's kind of settled in right now, um, but I do think we have a really exciting next two and a half weeks um, you know, of basketball ahead of us. Um, there's a lot of great matchups, um, and uh, you know whoever's playing their best basketball in February certainly is going to set themselves up for postseason success. But uh, you know Scranton still is really really good, um, really well coached. You know they they got us at, at Scranton by 14 and. They were clearly the better team. Uh, I think we've played better since then, uh, but I think our whole league has taken a step up. You know, like and I'll go back a couple of years ago when Moravian really had it going, when Justin Potts was there. Um, yeah. You know, they they you know, they had been good for a couple of years. Uh, Catholic has obviously had their run. Um, you know, Drew is is a much improved program. You know, they won the conference title a year ago, uh, in spite of you know there only being five teams playing. For the conference title, but um, the depth of the conference has has uh, increased um, dramatically, and I, you know, I think we are one of the teams. You know, but if you go back, uh, I want to say it was the 2015-2016 season. Uh, we had we had three teams uh, from the conference in a tournament, which is you know, three out of eight is pretty good. And I don't think the landmark is viewed, you know, like you know, in in the same view as you know, like an ODAC or uh, maybe a, you know, one of the conferences in Ohio, but um, Night in and night out, you know, 
we're pretty good. And, and I, I think we have some great young coaches in the conference that will challenge uh, us to maintain uh, the status we're at and, and hopefully push us all to get better. You know, yeah. our experience in the NCAA tournament, you know, playing the Babsons and the Wittenbergs and, you know, and people like that, the Williams, um, it just gives you a little better blueprint to follow um, coming out of it. And uh, so our, our opportunity to play in the tournament um, and, and see firsthand where, where you stack up, uh, I think gives you a better, better perspective on, on what you need to do to be um, in that national, you know, national limelight. Yeah, the Landmarks had like one memorable year in the NCAA tournament when Scranton made an incredible run to the Elite Eight before Cabrini ended that run. Everything else has been first weekend stuff, though I agree with you. I think the conference is competitive. I compare it a little bit to the MAC Commonwealth, that the top to bottom, you're going to get a game. Even if it's a Goucher, my alma mater, who isn't great on the record, they're going to give you a game. They're going to mm-hmm. challenge you. But the top has never been able nationally to emerge, I think, as much as everyone's expected. Does that add pressure, or, is it does, or does it not matter one damn bit? Well, I normally agree with everything you say, but I'm going to disagree with you here. I welcome you uh, to. We, we were in a Sweet 16 in 2017. That's true, yep. We have, every year we've been in a conference, or in a uh, NCAA tournament, we've won a game. Yep. And not everybody, you know, a lot of teams are, are one and done. That's true. Um, you know, two years ago, we... We go out and we beat Benedictine at Wittenberg and play Wittenberg, who's awfully good. And I think that was a four-point game uh, oh, with, a very, yeah. with, a, with a very young team. So, um, you know, no, we have not had consistent Elite Eight teams or Sweet 16 teams. And that's ideally where we want to be. Yeah, that's, you know, or, or, or better. You know, my goal is, is, is still more than that. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I can see the analogy that, you know, good depth, you know, good, tough games. Like every we, I always tell my players, we can beat everybody we play, but everybody we play can also be us. <laughs> sure. So it's just, it, you know, like, again, um, you were probably on the mic. I remember I had a good team. We uh, ended up uh, following a three-point shooter at the buzzer in a, at a game at Goucher um, and ended up losing the game. And it, it propelled us on to bigger and better things moving forward. But, I mean, um, there is no easy game. You know, like, people are like, what's wrong with Juniata? We beat Juniata soundly the other night, but they are in as tough a stretch as any division three oh, program absolutely. in the country with all the games they have stocked, you know, stacked on top of one another. Oh yeah. So if you know the old saying you're never as good as you think you are or as bad as you think you are, Judy has just had a heck of a run of, of tough games. Yeah. So we played well, um, but they weren't themselves. The Juni team we're gonna see on Saturday um is not the Juni team we saw on Monday night. No, right. I mean, they they played January 4th, then didn't play until the 19th. And between the 19th and the 31st, really the second, they played eight games. I mean, they were in a bind, to say the least, trying to get all those games made up. Um, No, I think you actually said it better than I did. What I was trying to get across is that there's been success, just not as much as everyone has expected or thought or whatever the case. You said it much better than I did. Um, So I appreciate that. I got to let you go. Otherwise, you know me. I talk, I talk your ear off. I wish I could see you at Goucher. Unfortunately, another job has absolutely thwarted my weekend. Um, not that I'm complaining because I'll be paying the bills. Um, but at the same time, I always love seeing you at the Gopher Dome. And I'm, I'm sorry I'll miss out on you this year unless something dramatically changes the plans. So uh, my only chance to say hi 
and good luck this season. But as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to well, share? Again, it's it's just such a blessing to be back in the gym playing uh, playing basketball after what we didn't have a year ago, um, especially for our players. You know, we as we we coaches have other opportunities, but these guys are only college students once, and yeah. I'm so happy uh, not only for our players but for all the players across the country um, to be to be in the gym competing. Uh, in somewhat of a normal environment, and uh, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, that we can keep you know we, we can keep going. I think we're in a good spot, uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're all we're all blessed to be here today, and uh, you know, let's make the most of the opportunity. Hey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for dealing with the tech stuff and, and making it work. I really do appreciate it, and your SID Jamie for the assist as well. Good luck the rest of the way. Have fun. And I know we'll be talking about uh, the River Hawks as we get closer to the end of the season. And I look forward to talking about you guys, hopefully in the tournament as well. Thanks for having us on, Dave. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it as well. Frank Marcinic joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Real quick, got a former, a colleague of mine. I shouldn't say former. He's a colleague of mine, even if he's moved, who's watching the show. Speaking of the of the stuff I got to do when I can't be at the Goucher-Susquehanna game, uh, he says, if you need a cover uh, or a question, can you answer this question from me about the best Northern Ohio D3 hoops team uh, uh, since he's just arrived in Cleveland? There should be good teams in the Cleveland Akron area. Oh, yeah, there's some good teams. I'll just say Ohio in general. Um, Marietta, granted, that's in Southern Ohio, so that doesn't really answer that question up there in the Northern Woods. Um, but listen, Baldwin-Wallace uh, women have certainly been playing well. Um You've got, I mean, listen, Baldwin-Wallace men aren't that shabby. John Carroll's always a good team to watch and always has some good games to be played. Ohio Northern is a really solid team this season. Granted, we've been talking a little bit about how that area has been a little bit down. But really, you can't you can't go wrong finding a D3 school that's going to have some really good basketball out there in Ohio, um, Dan. So trust me, if you need a specific location to head to a game, I will send you one for sure. Um, but you, you there's a lot. John Carroll, Ohio Northern. If you want to get down to Marietta, go down there. I know that's probably not in your drive. Mount Union's playing well. Go down to Mount Union. Play, see some games down there. Both programs are, are having a tremendous season this year. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Um, uh, Wabash is in Indiana, so that's probably a little far from you. But no, good. always good games in Ohio, and, and we love uh, talking Ohio basketball as well. Uh, Wags, I apologize. I forgot to ask Coach Masinic about his college playing days with former Wilkes coach Jerry Rickrode. Technical issues got me distracted. I forgot to ask that question. I apologize, my friend. Um, maybe we'll get you back on the show later and you can talk about it yourself. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to jump out to the West Coast. Skyak basketball. Going to talk to assistant coach at Chapman, Dan Krikorian. Not to be confused with Coach Krikorian at Christopher Newport. This is assistant coach at Chapman, Dan Krikorian. Also talk about his podcast with his uh, colleague, Slapping Glass. Very interesting. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. And of course, while we're talking about the NABC, we should probably talk uh, about their support for the show. The National Association of Basketball Coaches works to further the best interests of the game of basketball and the coaches and players who participate in the sport. The NABC thanks its nearly 5,000 member coaches, including the many Division Three coaches, who impact our game for upholding the core values of leadership, advocacy, service, education, and inclusion. For more information on the NABC, head to nabc.com. More after this.
why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. A couple of tech issues out of the gate. We got it. We always have them. You, you don't know a Hoopsville show. It's never great unless we're having tech issues, even if it's not our own. Though I just had one with a commercial running again. But whatever. Details. Let's not let's not get in the way of details. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Some of you figured out how to text message me questions. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com, or you can join us um. On Twitter, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, we're live simulcasting the show. Also live simulcasting the show on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsville. Add one question in there that we're not going to, we decided not to answer, ask, but we usually answer all of them. All right, so we're heading out to the West Coast. Uh, Chapman men's basketball having a really good season. We're going to dive into the Skyac later with special guest uh, Mr. Rogan. Uh, trust me, it's going to be worth it. He is an awesome segment. We'll talk about a lot of the Skyac then. We're going to get a lot of his take on things. So he's a little bit of an outsider, though insider, because his son plays for Chapman, and they're having a tremendous season so far. What's interesting about the Chapman coaching staff is they have an assistant on the staff who's kind of making ways for his own podcast. Now, normally I wouldn't want to send you in any other direction than this one. This is obviously the best show in all the land. And why would we send you anywhere else? Well, because there's some really good other podcasts out there, folks. Let's just call a spade a spade. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is the head, the assistant coach. I'm so used to saying head coach. Assistant coach for Chapman. It is Dan Krikorian. We'll talk a moment about his um, podcast with his his former teammate called Slapping Glass. But in the meantime, Dan, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time to join us. Dave, thanks so much for having me. The uh, Freudian slip of the head coach, that's no problem with me. You can uh, have that slip anytime you want. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it's not like your career aspirations <laughs> don't have head coach in the title, right? <laughs> right. No, I'm okay with it. But hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, we're going to get at the fact that you're on the show here on uh, 
on uh, Twitter and, and momentarily. But first and foremost, tell me about the, the season and the team. You guys are having a bit of a breakout season in what is a, a very interesting Skyac race. Yeah, well, and you hit it on the head there with just uh, how good our conference is this year. You know, night in, night out, um, you know, you're never really surprised if somebody beats someone else in our conference because just so many good teams that are old, mature, obviously great coaches all up and down our conference. And so we're, we're lucky to um, to be in the midst of it right now. We've got a mature group, a lot of guys that have come back, you know, a lot of seniors, a lot of uh, mature leadership. And so, you know, we're just trying to take it game by game, but we like our group and they're playing hard and they're playing well right now. By the way, I misspoke. Your associate head coach at Chapman. <laughs> right. Just, I want to give two. I want to give two. No problem. Thank What's you. What's been the secret this year to to the success? What what has worked so well for the Panthers to be sitting in there at the top of the conference race? Well, good question. I think um, you know, going back to just the maturity of our group, we've got a lot of older guys this year that have been through the ringers before have been through the conference they know what it's like to travel to an away game they know what it's like to be down at halftime they know what it's like to you know do all that stuff and so there's not a lot of surprises when you're coaching guys that are 22 23 years old for them uh, they have a lot of reps they have a lot of things that they've been through and so i think there's a lot of that where when you're dealing with with men um you're able to get through some of the ups and downs a little bit smoother not all the time but um, that's been a big part of it we've got great great senior leadership, which just makes everything run smoother and really makes it easy as the coaching staff. Uh, it's always good when things are working right, right? It's It makes for yeah. better practices. It makes for better games. You don't have to stress as much. What is it <laughs> I, about the I don't know if I'd say stress as much, but... <laughs> well, fair, fair. That's a good point. Sure. <laughs> what's, it, what's it been about the conference race that's been so interesting this season? And, and you know, is it... Listen, I always get told the Skyak race, the Skyak is competitive, and we see that. What is it different now? Well, I think you know, as you as you know, and, and listeners will know. I mean, there's just such great coaches in our conference, guys that have been around for thirty plus years, and you know, our head coach just uh, surpassed his five hundredth win a, a game ago. Mike Bukowski hit his five hundredth win, and so he's not the only one in our conference. I know, Coach. Spikas has done that as well, uh, and I'm I'm others. But you've got just great coaches. So every year, there's going to be a well-coached. Obviously, you know, Coach Bridgeland coming in from Whitman um, and all the success that he has had has put eyes on the conference. So I think that it's always competitive. There's great players and great coaches. And this year, more than any, I think that, you know, you have a chance for, you know, every team on any given night can beat another team, which makes it exciting. Yeah, it, it's certainly one I've been keeping an eye on because I've been intrigued by it as much. I am curious, you know, we, we, we run into the problem in the Skyac. We don't either get enough teams out that the Skyac wants or, you know, unfortunately you have to play through each other. Certainly one of those dynamics, not going to figure out and solve all those problems today. But I am curious, is the mentality in the Skyac changing? Because the, the D3Hoops.com Classic we were supposed to have with 19 teams <laughs> in three days. Yeah was supposed to feature a lot more Skyac teams than obviously we got. That's that's just sure. other, other circumstances. But it seemed like the tide was changing to say, yeah, we kind of need to get out of Southern California here. And we saw Pomona <laughs> Pitzer do that. We've seen some other schools now heading out to the Midwest to try and get a couple games on top of schools that obviously come out to you guys. 
Has the mentality changed into the coaching conversations to try and better the position of the conference? I think that's something that comes up every offseason, and I think it differs from school to school philosophy-wise as far as scheduling and where coaches are willing or not willing to go. Um, and so I think on the whole, I think everyone you know knows that trying to, you know, for those that don't know, it's kind of an isolated situation for us out here where there's not another conference until you get to the Northwest Conference. So just finding, you know, Division three games, you either got to travel or you got to get, you know, teams to come out here, which sometimes can be a challenge when you talk about budget or you talk about all those kinds of things, school to school. So, you know, I think overall, though, I know that um, most of the coaches, not all of them are obviously very uh, eager up the schedules to be on every game they possibly can to travel to play great competition. Like you mentioned, Pomona's done a great job. Claremont, I know, goes to the Midwest. I mean, all of the schools travel in some capacity. And so I think you'll con continue to see that with uh, definitely with more coaching changes last couple of years with Coach White coming in. Cal is doing a fantastic job as well. So um, I think you'll continue to see that. Interesting. I appreciate that take. I do want to switch gears, though, and talk about your podcast, which it feels like when it started, I kind of looked at it and went, this had, this had to have been one of those, I got nothing better to do during this shutdown <laughs> during the pandemic. I got a buddy. We're going to do a podcast. Um, and listen, I've had those ideas too. Don't get me wrong. Um, interesting enough, you came out of the gate swinging though, because your podcast, well, let's talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about the podcast first and foremost. It's called Slapping Glass. You do it with your uh, former teammate in Patrick Carney, Tell me a little bit about the nuance and the reason you guys decided to start a podcast. Yeah. So um, thanks for, for asking. And it has been a lot of fun, which I know we can kind of get into here. And so we do have the podcast. I will say we also have um, our, our big video element that we do. We have a, a newsletter. It's a full fledged um, media outlet at this point, which when we started it, obviously that was not uh, at any of our plans. And it did start from the fact that, you know, last year having our season canceled, uh, my, my good friend and ex-teammate Patrick Carney, he had played professionally in Germany for 14 years. His season got canceled and both of us were sitting around in the spring and summer saying, well, hey, we're going to be watching film anyways. We're going to be talking to coaches anyways. Um, I have past experience in podcasting. I ran a podcast for, for, two, years, for two years, which actually had uh, uh, Pat Coleman on, which was fun to have on. Uh, and so we decided to kind of jump right in. And our first guest on the podcast was uh, Elliot Steinmetz from Yeshiva. And I obviously was very familiar with them being in the D3 world. And we decided to uh, reach out and see if you want to just dive in on their motion offense, what makes them tick. And it just kind of took off from there. And we just kept going with it. And uh, it's amazing to where it's grown to. And we're happy to kind of just be some part of the basketball culture at this point and providing that. Well, you certainly started with a bang with Elliot talking about an emotion offense, um, which Illinois Wesleyan seemed to figure out, but a lot of schools have not. Uh, right. and, and I loved Elliot at one point saying, well, you can go ahead and scout it and think you know where we are, but we don't know where we are until we get on that side of the floor. Maybe a little yeah, grandiose uh, to some degree. <laughs> uh, I, I braggadicious, maybe. I, I appreciate his thought, but what I found interesting was you guys kept going, and then I don't know when it happened, but former D3, well, D3 alum, uh, Nazareth former player under Bill Nelson, Jeff Van Gundy goes, hey, how about this podcast? And your world, from everything I've been told, exploded. 
how tell me about the experience of being not only recognized by someone who certainly has a lot of people who who follow him or listen to what he has to say, but how that changed everything to what you now do as a full-blown media entity. Yeah, it was uh, uh, very gracious of, uh, of Jeff Van Gundy and Jeff has been a big supporter of what we've done and, um, you know, been a bit of a mentor to Pat and I as well through this whole thing. And so we've really valued his opinion on stuff and, um, yeah, he was a fan early on. I don't know how he, he found us, but uh, during the uh, Laker Celtics game a couple of years ago, he gave a shout out on uh, national television on ABC about, you know, everybody should basically be uh, listening and, and watching Slapping Glass um, about spit up all my beer uh, watching, <laughs> watching the game and things were, were pretty fun since then. And so it was a really fun moment, something I'll never forget. And uh, I'm really, really thankful to Jeff. And since then, it's it's just continued to grow. And we're just continuing to try to you know get better and better at what we do and providing that value for coaches out there. After you spit up the the, the drink, you probably slowly picked up your cell phone and went, what's going to happen? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun night for sure. Um, hearing from a lot of people all over the, the world at that point. Uh, I'm just, hey, are you, you watching the game? Um, you know, I was tempted to go check our Twitter and podcast, you know, newsletter to see what was happening. But I decided to not, I decided just to enjoy the evening. Um, my wife and I finished watching the game um, and, you know, got back to work after that the next morning, but an unforgettable moment. That's for sure. And again, the show's more nuance of the game, more X's and O's understanding uh, how teams are running things or, or defending or everything. I've, I've dipped into a few of them, to be honest with you. Some of it goes a little deeper in depth than I want to go mainly because there's only so much I can retain. Um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, as you said, it's for the coaches, it's for future coaches. It's for anybody who wants to know the nuances. I'm not sure if you've done it, but the triangle offense or understand some other nuance of how a team runs things. Right. Absolutely. So when we started out, you know, there's so many great podcasts out there that get into a coach's journey or their story, um, how they got to where they got, and I'm a big fan and listener of a lot of those. And we decided to, you know, go after, you know, kind of a, a niche and go after the X's and O's and tactical side of it and get great coaches on. It doesn't matter the level, but just get great coaches on and talk about what they do well, either offensively, defensively, and really, you know, dive into the nuggets of it and pull it apart. Um, it was always like the questions that I wanted to ask when I would go sit at one of these big coaching conferences and somebody would be on the floor talking and I wanted to ask a follow-up or, you know, we all want to ask a follow-up question about, Hey, how exactly do you do that? Why would you do that for that? And those are the questions we get a chance to ask when we spend an hour, hour and a half with these coaches. And so that was the start of it. We do like to add a bit of fun and kind of unpredictability to it as well. Um, last year we added a segment called start sub or sit which has been really fun. Coaches enjoy coming on. We give them three different basketball topics, uh, you know, say flex Princeton or dribble drive motion, ask them to start one, sub one, sit one. And then we have fun from there talking it through. So um, we've really enjoyed it. You know, we've gotten a chance. I've gotten a chance to interview some of my coaching heroes, Brad Stevens, uh, Gino Oriema. Uh, the list goes on and on. And to sit there and get a chance to pick their brain has been uh, life changing for me as both a coach. And then obviously uh, it's going, growing a business and trying to just, like I said, go back to uh, providing value to coaches on a daily basis. How do you guys pull off the logistics of um, 
He's in Germany. You're on the West right. Coast. So it's not even like you're on the East Coast and it's six hours. You're on the yeah. West Coast and it's at least nine hours. How in the world are you pulling that off? Well, you know, uh, I know someone like yourself who's pulling off a nine straight hour hotel um, right now marathon. It it takes a bit of work and logistics and planning. And there's not there's, there's doesn't go without hiccups at times. But uh, yeah, Pat and I have a, a great schedule. He's nine hours ahead of me, and we do a lot of early morning podcasts where I'm up at maybe say six a.m. and uh, he's up later, or vice versa, where I'm staying up till eleven and we interview a coach in Europe who's up early in the morning. So we just make it work. The hardest ones have been the coaches we've had that we've done either uh, are in China or in Australia, because you're talking about three different time zones. Australia is a day ahead of us. Right. So trying to figure out those have been a lot of fun, but you know, we make it work. We found a couple of set days that really work best for us. And coaches have been accommodating and helping us out through that. Yeah. I can't imagine those logistics, but that, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> and, and, and obviously you don't have to be live. So you can, so you can, maneuver. right. Exactly. Um, hey, listen, I appreciate the time. Really fascinating stuff. Uh, we'll, I haven't got a link there yet, but we'll get a link on our website to head over to Slap in Glass for anybody who wants to, to know it. And by the way, if you want to let Jeff know if he's interested in some other good stuff. Okay, not good stuff. If he just wants to listen to something that might help put him to sleep and go back to his roots, he's welcome <laughs> to call us. We've got the we've got his jersey and number hanging on the wall. I'm just saying. There it is. I'll let him know. <laughs> yeah, just tell him it's a friend of a friend. Just reaching out and listen. If you if you're talking to Popovich anytime soon, love to have him too. We've been, <laughs> okay. We're over two in our attempts. I'm just saying some things you could do for us that you know would be appreciated. <laughs> well, those guys, I know they're huge supporters of Division Three basketball, and uh, oh, absolutely, you know, yeah, they're 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 great, and uh, got their roots started out like we all did. So it's great, absolutely. Yeah, no, I kid, having fun, but I, I appreciate it. appreciate the tongue in cheek. Anyway, hey, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Hey, just on both sides, whether it's slapping glass or you know coaching a Chapman and talking about the Sky Act. Uh, it's just an honor all the time to be around, you know, great coaches who do such a great job. You know, listen to all your guests that you're going to have on today, whether it's players, whether it's coaches. Uh, you know, one of the things that's such a privilege for what I get to do with Slapping Glass is I get to talk to, you know, these coaches that do such a fantastic job all over the country. It's been a rough couple of years trying to get through all this stuff. And I think that, um, you know, if there's one thing to leave with, it's just I'm honored daily to get a chance to talk to these coaches to study them uh, and hopefully promote the game in a level that, you know, sheds light on where they're at uh, no matter the level. So I appreciate you coming, you having me on to talk about the platform and uh, I wish everybody luck out there. Well, thank you for the time. Great words to finish on. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you and, and looking forward to the podcast down the road as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. He's Dan Krikorian joining us. He's a Chapman's associate head coach and co-host of Slappin' Glass. That's I-N with an apostrophe, just in case you're double-checking. Make sure you get that right. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're searching gears hardcore. We're going to bring on a panel of minority coaches to talk about the, the aspect of minority hiring in Division Three. It's obviously a big topic in general, but in the Division Three world, it's an interesting one. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com, the NABC Studios. Back with more after this. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. 
Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. <laughs> 